Hey everybody, today we're going to continue our brain health series, this is the last video in that, we're going to be talking about fasting and keto. Ooh. So I know, right, hot topic. <laughs> I'm Dr. Philip Oob. I'm Aubrey Steen. And so we're going to be talking about fasting and ketogenic. So a lot of people already know about ketogenic, so we'll save that for after you turn off the video. But first we're going to talk about fasting. Mm -hmm. And fasting, when I first started learning about fasting, like how hard can it possibly be to start fasting? You just stop eating, right? You have no idea. <laughs> you have no idea the mental and emotional attachment you have to food. You have yeah. oral fixations that you need to suffice. Like It's like you always are like, you eat when you're stressed, you eat when you're happy, and they're like, oh, just don't eat, and you're like, Okay, this is when I have my snack, though. Yes. And it is it is a mental willpower. It is, But one thing I really love, I know that we're already kind of diving Tell into me. this, is that a therapist was always like, if you have the need to eat, sit there and go, what emotion is this in my body? So you sit back and go, okay, maybe I'm hungry, but let's see. Push the hunger away and go, what else is going on? Am I happy? Am I anxious? Am I sad? Is there something I'm avoiding, too? So it's kind of cool whenever you can take that energy into food and channel it somewhere else. Then there's a difference between... <laughs> Hunger and a craving. Mm -hmm. If you're sitting there and you're craving a food like sugar or crackers or chips or something snacky, Do that's really a craving. That's something that? right. That's something that you don't really need. If you're truly hungry, think of now. This is if you're a carnivore. Think of or omnivore. Think of like, would you eat grilled chicken and broccoli and veggies and anything right now? And you're like, no, not really. Then you're not you're hungry. Really not hungry. Yeah. Then that's a craving. Um, so kind of. A, saying, and that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. First step is to identify. Yeah, right. So just see where you're at. Are there underlying emotions? Do you need to work on something else in the meantime? Are you actually hungry? I think I don't really like the whole you just need to drink water. I think have a glass of water, but there is a difference between being hungry and just being thirsty. Yes. I think that's a little demoralizing to tell someone yes. you just need to drink some water and you're like, right. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm actually, actually hungry. hungry. <laughs> just, yeah. The growling does yeah. not want water. <laughs> water. <laughs> <laughs> so the, in addition to the mental aspect, because that's a big part of it, yeah. um, especially because we're American and we've been taught that breakfast is the most important meal and we eat all the time. And if we're not eating, we have snacks. Then um, there's the fourth meal, the late night meal <laughs> that we've been like bombarded second with. Second breakfast. Yeah. Um, and so there's also biochemical dependence on food when yes. you've been accustomed to eating all of the yes. time right so there are things like MSG which are no neurotoxins but also cause addiction in the body there's sugar cane sugar which does cause addiction in the brain so there's all these different chemicals preservatives which can cause addiction as well so you've been kind of accumulate like well getting used to eating all the time but necessarily are you hungry no you more so have this addictive property of like I'm craving these foods they have a dopamine release they hit really well like when you eat a ton of sugar I mean, that is a happy, happy thing, right? Or you go, opposite, if you've e it, it, yeah. go on. No, go ahead. I, if you've ever come off of sugar for a significant amount of time, it's like and then you add it back in, you quickly realize how dependent you are because you weren't dependent on mm -hmm. it for a while. Oh yeah, and it's an immediate rush. You're like, ah. Oh sugar like you get so excited <laughs> long lost You're happy. friend and i know it's like and then when kids when you have kids that are running around no they don't like maybe they have add but when they've just had an entire fruit kind of juice and gummy bears at the same time and they're sprinting around the parking lot like this yeah they're getting energy out but that's sugar it's an exciting mm -hmm. kind of aspect mm -hmm. okay so you took that to a totally different place than i was expecting but that's important too cool. as far as the biochemical yes. dependence on food yeah 
I also want to talk about the biochemical dependence on fat and sugar oh, and protein. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, so that was it. No, no, no that you're the nutritionist. You get to talk about that. So switching from a non-fasted state to a fasted state yeah. actually requires some work. You can't just jump right into it. It no. feels miserable. The first thing you have to do is to assess. So we're basically going to talk about, well, let me rewind because there's quite a few things that you can do I about this. Um, so when we talk about going into a fasted state, I like to talk about the two types of people, a sugar burner or a fat burner. Um, this is not calling you a name or anything. She did. But she totally did. <laughs> a sugar burner is when we're, you're reliant on sugar, and sugar comes in fruit, carbohydrates, you name it, um, for energy. And so sugar burning is like if I were to utilize this sheet of paper, my homework mm -hmm. for the day, um, and light it on fire. So that's going to go rapidly. That's sugar burning. You're going to constantly need to feed that fire with paper over and over and over again. And usually when I say sugar burning, you're reliant on those external carbohydrates. You haven't tapped into your own stored sugars. You haven't tapped into fat source for energy. You're kind of reliant on, oh, that cereal, that kind of like sugary snack, that high carbohydrate meal, the potato chips, the pasta for energy. You feel better when you eat food. Not just you feel good from food, but you actually feel better when you eat. You feel bad between not eating. That's kind of sugar burning. Fat burning is like if I were to take, imagine this is made out of wood, like a log. I don't have a log here. I understand. Okay, so imagine they a can log. Imagine. Right, log. a log is, <laughs> Use your imagination, oh, kids. Imagination. So a log is going to be kindling. It's slow and it's burning, and that's when we utilize our own fat. Because ideally what happens is that we eat some carbohydrates, obviously. Mm -hmm. We have a little bit of that sugar stored through glycogen, which is stored in our muscles. But So back, yeah. pause there, because they're, they're, that was you're right, but there's a lot of detail there. So yeah. as far as sugar is concerned, your body can only store about six to eight hours of sugar burning. If you're doing yeah. a workout, you can only last for about an hour of working out with sugar. Um, so, But fat, yeah. you've got days worth of fat. Yeah. And protein, you've also got days worth of protein, but protein is muscle and, and function, so you don't want to burn right. protein for fuel too much, although we do. So days worth of fat, hours worth of sugar. Yes. Yeah. So you want that low kindling energy. And that's when you do eat low glycemic vegetables and carbohydrates paired with healthy fats and protein. Because what happens is now you're not having an abundance of sugar and carbohydrates to burn through. You go, oh, okay. I actually need to access my fat because I'm not being handed that sugar. Mm -hmm. And you go through your stored sugar and you eventually access fat. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to go into keto to do, do this. We'll kind of talk about how to fat right. go in and out of it. But that's kind of primarily sugar burning and fat burning. Where do we start? How did I get here? Uh, that, that's a great one. The next step <laughs> is really just to talk about how do we convert from sugar burning to fat burning. Yeah. Because so. that can be a difficult process. I mean, one of the ways just to stop eating and suffer through it and go through the keto flu and all that, that's not what we recommend. Yeah. So if you are a sugar burner, if you're burning your paper really quickly, um, then the first step is just to start cutting down the number of carbs you're eating, right. the amount of carbs per meal, or another way to look at it, because too often in medicine and in health we say, cut this out, don't eat that. Instead of looking at it that way, eat more of this. Right. So in, in order to be, become more of a fat burner, then you need to eat more fat. And if you eat more fat, you will naturally eat less carbs. Yeah, you want to start shifting your plate. So I like to kind of think about gradually reducing carbohydrates while you're increasing fat and protein. So if you have your full plate, right, before, let's say three-fourths of it was a pasta. Even if it's a gluten-free pasta, it's mm -hmm. still a pasta. And a little bit with some chicken and a little olive oil in there. Now what we want to do is over time cut that down to a third of the plate, you know, as long as you can. Start to add in high-fiber veggies in there. Start to add in more fat like avocado, more olive oil. You'll start to naturally change the balance of that plate. And what happens is you're slowly reducing those carbohydrates that your body 
body's reliant on externally. Mm -hmm. And then once you start doing that, it's a nice gradual transition because you'll start transitioning into fat burning mm -hmm. much easier. Now you want to keep that kind of carbohydrate count lower over time. Like if you're only eating like, we don't quantify calories, I actually don't even have people track calories, but let's say if you're eating like 1800 or 2000 calories a day just naturally, you know, you don't want like 300 grams of carbohydrates, even if you're just increasing a ton of fat. So you still want to be mindful of like, okay, am I eating now 75% of pasta and I'm just adding like 600 calories of oil on there? Oh, it's not the healthiest thing to do. Sweet fat. Yeah, sweet fat. You want to just start to transition naturally. So that's how you can do it with diet. And then over time, you'll start to reduce some of the starchiness things. Again, think about this is like, even if you have balanced meals, think about those snacks. About like, if you're like, oh, well, I'm going to treat myself with a Coca-Cola or I'm going to treat myself with a bag of candy. You knock yourself almost immediately out of that fat burning for quite a while. And it takes a little bit of time to get in there. There's different ways to do it outside of food itself too. And kind of like how Dr. Oob said, if you cut everything out at once, you're gonna go through that keto flu. Something similar happens with exercise. If you want to burn through that sugar pretty immediately, you can do a ton of high intensity interval training and that will burn through any of that sugar that's readily available. Or you can take it gradual. Yeah. Like when you start shifting your plate and you're like, you know what, after I eat, I'm gonna go for a 45 minute walk to burn off some of that sugar that's circulating in the system. Mm -hmm. Something like that. Yeah, and never eat a carb without a fat. So if you're gonna eat the yeah. apple, even even a fruit or something, if you're gonna eat an apple, try to pair it with some sort of nut butter or some sort of nuts, or yeah. I don't know what kind of food plan you're on. But that's one of the things I think Americans frequently miss is I'm eating this snack, always pair it with a fat, that right. makes it better. Another way to kind of transition into more fat burning is just to start with a fasting window and start extending it over mm -hmm. time. So naturally, most people don't eat overnight. I laugh because I did have a patient that would literally set an alarm to wake up and eat ice cream in the middle of the night. She just couldn't control herself and eventually we, we worked through that, um, poor thing. But um, so, if, so most people do not eat overnight and so you already start off with a, an eight hour fast. Hopefully but, you're getting around oh, eight hours of sleep. I was gonna say a lot of people do eat right before they go to bed because right. of sleep and that's a whole different topic. Yep. So, but whatever it may be, whenever the time you naturally stop eating and whenever you naturally start eating, count that as a fasting window. Yeah. So if you stopped eating at 10 p.m. and your first meal was at 6 a.m., then that's already an eight hour fasting mm -hmm. window. So the very next thing you can do is try for a nine hour window. So say you're either gonna stop eating at 9 p.m. or if you're gonna stop eating at 10, then say, I'm gonna wait till 7 a.m. Most people in the beginning do better with delaying when to start eating than to stop eating earlier. Right. So you already have your pattern at bedtime snack, whatever it may be, allow yourself that but whatever time you stop, then extend it one hour. And wait until you're comfortable with that. Once you're comfortable, and so if that's two or three days, great, and you're ready to go to the next one, that's okay. If you wanna do it over a week, remember that you're doing this for longevity, so you don't need to be there tomorrow. Don't go for the fast win, because if you go for the fast win, it's a fast loss. Yeah. Go for the long-term benefit. Uh, yeah. So start with an eight hour window or whatever you're at, where, meet yourself where you are and be honest about your goals. And I would set at least a one hour extension on your fast once a week. That would be a reasonable goal, mm -hmm. I think, for most people. And your goal, we talked about it in, the, in our butyrate video, yeah. um, the goal is to get to a 16 hour fast. That may seem daunting. Okay. Yeah. When I first started getting into fasting, um, I, I had already done some fasting just because I was lazy in the mornings and I'd run out with coffee um, and I actually eat anything until lunch. So we call that unintentional fasting. <laughs> unintentional intermittent fasting. Or when you run out of food as a bachelor, that's another unintentional fasting. Um, or when the power goes out in a winter there storm. We that's another. No, we just had so <laughs> we many did have snacks. <laughs> I was like, that's but burrowing. Anyway, um, so as you extend that, that fasting window, it may seem daunting, but 
Um, I, I've done 72 hour fast before. That's currently my, my longest fast. Yeah. And that even coming out of my mouth, that sounds completely unbelievably hard to do. But trust me, your body is made to fast. It is yeah. designed to fast. And so it's also a wonderful exercise, as Aubrey mentioned in the beginning. If you want to break some of your food habits, that's one of the easiest ways. Well, it's not easy, but that's one of the most powerful ways to right. break food cravings is to uh, separate that entirely and give yourself permission to say, well, I don't need to eat anything yeah. for 72 hours. Not, not immediately, you're gonna work your way to it. Um, I'm kind of jumping the gun. But, but telling your, giving yourself permission to not eat gives you control over the food right. instead of food controlling you. Right, and you can use it simultaneously. It's easier to fast when you're fat adapted. Correct. So, so you don't want to get into those 24, 72 hour fasts until you are fat adapted. Don't. So until you can, yeah, don't. Don't do it I mean, after you you've had it. I mean, yeah, you can. You'll feel like crap. FLC. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you'll feel pretty terrible. But once you start getting into that habit. FPT. FLC sounds better. Okay. FLS. All right, take it up a notch. Okay. So, but one thing that, yeah. Feel like sauciness. Feel like saucy. So one thing also is that once you become adapted and you get into that rhythm, you'll feel like, okay, well, I'm, I'm doing my fasting, I'm fat adapted, but I do want to have maybe a gluten-free pasta night or do something like that. There's little tricks that you can do to actually ease yourself to where you're not spiking from the blood sugar. What you can do is try to burn all the glycogen in your system before you eat that. So do like a 15, 20 minute hit exercise, then eat, and then you can go on a low like a long kind of walk for 45 minutes, that has been proven to be the best way of utilizing those carbohydrates. And we've tracked it on a continuous glucose monitor with myself and with patients, my brother, you name it. And we've been able to prove this as well, mm -hmm. that the blood sugar spike is like just normal after that. Mm -hmm. So you burn through as much as you can before the dinner. This is of course, if you just wanna exercise around food, but right. it will help and you're mm -hmm. not gonna have that immediate knockout. It doesn't need to be exercise. A simple walk burns yeah. calories, pulls pulls sugar directly out of the bloodstream. Yeah. So in order to work towards those 24-hour fasts and, and longer, the first step you want to get to is you want to be able to get to a 16-hour fast. Right. And you don't necessarily need to do it every day. That's not that's not the goal. If you can fast for 16 hours and not feel totally miserable, you are definitely fat adapted. Okay. Right. So the goal is before you try one of these longer fasts, you want to get to 16-hour fast right. three days a week. If you can tolerate 16 hours three days a week, then you're most likely fully ready for a 24 hour. So what I would usually do for our patients is focus on at least 12 hour fasts per every day, but doing a 16 hour three days a week, and now you're ready to do a 24 hour. And I would get them to do a 24 hour every other week or so. Um, and if they can do two or three 24 hour fasts without feeling completely miserable, they would push it to the next level of saying, well, now you're gonna do a 36 hour fast, and now yeah. you wanna do that maybe every other week. Um, and this is if we're really trying to get, but once right. again, the whole topic is brain health. You're trying to regenerate brain health quickly. Um, and then once you can tolerate a 36, obviously go to a 48. By the time you get to a 48, you're pretty well ready to jump to a 72. It's that 48 that's hard to hit. It is. And then you and can- And that's a total yeah. mental block. Pat, 24 is actually not as hard as you think. It's like breakfast to breakfast or dinner to dinner. Right. It's pretty simple. So if you think about it, you eat dinner at night, you finish at, at 8 p.m. or whatever it is. Um, that means you just don't do breakfast or lunch the next day. You get to eat dinner the next night. And we say 24 hour, we say 40 hour. Your body doesn't know whether you made it. 
47 hours. Right. Like, there's no benefit that happens at the like, magical 48 hour window than 46. Unless you're 47 hours because right. you have one more hour to go. Right. Just eat. So, normally what I do is I do mine by dinner. So, if I'm doing a 24 hour, I will eat dinner. And if I finish eating at dinner at 7 and the next day I eat it at 6 p.m., like, That's okay. right. Like, give yourself a little credit. Um, and if you need more help, there's actually a fasting app uh, that Peter Atia like made. It. That's yeah. the most ridiculous thing ever. But, but it works. It's sometimes you, you need structure. <laughs> if you need some app to tell you how long you've not eaten, then you just download the app. It's free. It's called Zero, yeah. right? Way to make you eat crazier. And you, and you hit the button when you're fasting, and you hit the button when you eat, and it tabulates how long you fasted, mm-hmm. how many times you did, and all that. Sometimes it's good um, to see the number. You're like, oh my God, like 15 hours. You're like, okay. You're like, I can go another three if I want to. You know, I don't know. So anyway, fasting is powerful. Being fat adapted is the tool for everyone. Everyone should be fat adapted. No one should be a sugar burner. So if you are a sugar burner, the number one thing you need to do is get more fat adapted, even if you never decide to play with the uh, fasting. But if you want the brain benefits and you don't want to fast, you have to do keto. And if you're gonna do keto, we always like the cycling keto. So five days on keto, two days off. We kind of talk more about keto in our butyric acid. We were going to talk about keto in this video, but we ended up talking a lot about fasting and how to get fat adapted. So we'll just end it there. It's amazing how long you talk about something, meaning just don't eat. But what we can do is I'll put a link in the bio to kind of like a cyclical keto um, PDF that I've made. It's nice. We'll just give you a little guideline on how to do it if you want to, if you're interested. So there's more information about nutrition and being fat adapted on our nutrition course. So go to our website, click the learn button, hit the courses, mm-hmm. and you learn more about um, being fat adapted, more about nutrition and yeah. getting better. And of course, subscribe to our channel, like our video, share it with friends. And uh, we'll see you next cool. time. Bye, guys. Keep that brain sharp.